0: Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 33 of season two of This Osteopathic Life. This is my second favorite number. If you've been with me for a while or know me personally, 11- Always tops the charts. But three is a great number, and so the multiplication of the two, the sum of the two, is quite satisfying. And this episode is a few days beyond its expected delivery date, but I am embracing the time and its unpredictability and working toward committing myself to getting on a more regimented schedule. Not in a way that limits freedom, but that ensures Regularity and consistency. We've talked about that in previous episodes as well. And so, my intention, I'll speak that here, is to release the conversations episodes on Tuesday. And a fantastic one came out this week with Dr. Stephanie Byerly. And I hope you are able to check that out. And for the individual episodes, those solo episodes with me, to come out on Saturdays. And that was the intention this week. But I had the opportunity to participate in a physician retreat, virtual physician retreat, as is the theme of this time. And it was a great opportunity to rejuvenate for myself, to contribute and support fellow physicians with coaching. And I swapped out that time. And I was presented with this invitation of time due to a reschedule that happened earlier today. And so I decided to embrace it. And sometimes that's how we move through things, particularly in this time of 2020, where the best laid plans are subject to change moment to moment. And while planning is so important and so powerful, it's also important to be nimble and to notice when we can utilize time as it becomes available to make peace at times when what we had constructed has to change for any variety of reasons illness being one that has interrupted many things during this time requiring some flexibility and being creative all the way through with how we both think about and for ourselves and utilize those resources that are available to us and making peace is a great segue because today's episode is called hold peace and this is building on the previous episode of speak Now." And if we think of the phrase, speak now or forever hold your peace, and interestingly, how that comes up in matrimony, right? in marriage ceremonies, when we offer an invitation for an objection, and what an interesting practice to bring the opinion of others into that situation. And what would we do if we were met with that objection in that situation? And that's not entirely the purpose of this episode today, but an interesting point of contemplation. And when I thought about hold your peace, that didn't quite sit fully with me, but hold peace did. And if you've been with me for any previous episodes, you'll know that I have a love for words and looking at words from a new perspective and the power of the relationship of words. And when we connect them in different ways, in different orders, with different bridging words between them, how they can take on new and powerful meaning. And so what comes up for you when you consider the phrase, hold peace? And the one that comes up for me first is the idea of literally holding it. And if you think of peace, maybe just the word, right? Think of the word peace and you're holding it in your hands. Maybe you think of a peace sign and you're holding it. You might think of an image, right? A graphic that illustrates that holding peace. And if we think about Peace is something we can't necessarily lock down as a solid structure, but maybe that act of embracing, right? Holding peace in our arms, in our lives, in our heart, in our mind. What does it look like to hold peace? And how does that feel? You know, if we think about feelings, peaceful could be a feeling that we have. And what does peaceful feel like in our bodies, If I think about it for myself, I think about light, light blue almost, and pretty transparent. And it's fluid and soft and moving, but moving at a comfortable place, you know, slowly, but not so slow that you're impatient with it. It's just right, right? It moves at just the right pace. And there's some wispiness to it. And I suppose it's illustrating the appearance of sky. You know, sky with just some light clouds. And when I feel peaceful, I feel light and I feel full. And that's interesting because sometimes we can feel full and feel heavy. But imagine if you're filled right with that expansiveness and light of peacefulness. Because when it's transparent, it means the light is moving through it, or maybe translucent would be a more illustrative word. And I feel it everywhere. And I really feel it lifting up through my chest and pulling me upward you know, as if I'm filled with buoyancy when I am feeling peaceful. And peaceful is still dynamic. And for a long time, I have held three core values, that we were kind, calm, and peaceful in our family. And those are all great, right? They have their space and their place. But when I tried to make it so that they were the only things, or they were the majority of the ways that we should feel, or be, or act, or do, or represent ourselves, it was actually quite constricting. And I think what I was trying to do in that time was hold on to peacefulness, right, to grasp it. Instead of holding peace, right, hold peace is how we're opening this, I was trying to hold on to it. And that's a different thing, And when we're trying to hold on to something, right? We're gripping it and we're grasping it versus this open embrace and this lift and this loft and this trust. When we're holding something, we're trusting that it's going to stay or even that if it's going to go, that's okay. And we don't have to restrict it and force an agenda upon it. But we're holding on to, right? We're kind of putting our weight on it and we're pulling it down and we're limiting sometimes its expansiveness. And when I was doing that with my core values for myself and for my family, it would often kind of squash or crush or extinguish almost peace, which is interesting because I don't necessarily think of peace as fiery or ignited, but it does have energy to it, right? So it would really stagnate or reduce the energy of peace when I thought we had to really hold on to it. And it was a scarcity mindset. It was looking around and saying, where'd peace go? right? Where did peace go and how am I going to get it back? And what I've noticed more in recent weeks, which have turned into months, right? That's how this year has gone. We're nearly coming toward, you know, the more than halfway of the year point with COVID enclosures and whatnot. And if you're listening to this at a later date, you can reflect on what it was like in the time of COVID. But when I was trapping it, you know, it didn't feel good. And it felt like everything was going wrong, right? that we were failing because if our goal was to be peaceful and kind and calm all the time, and we weren't, we were out of alignment with our core values that we had established. And I will say that mostly I had established, right? And then implemented them or administered them into my family. And by simply embracing or holding and holding space for peace, right? Offering it as a possibility, welcoming it when it was there, but not necessarily panicking when it wasn't, has really changed that perspective and that engagement and that ability to just say, okay, peaceful's great, and I welcome peaceful. I like peaceful. I could stay in peaceful for a lot of the time, but I don't necessarily have to stay there all the time. And when other feelings come through, I don't have to look around and wonder, where peaceful go and how do I get it back? I can know that it's part of the spectrum of feelings, that they are all accessible to me, and that I can trust right, them as they arise. And I can also know that if there are reliable thoughts that get me to peaceful, such as one that might be reliable for me that may also work for you is, I appreciate what I'm doing in this time. This is the way I am meant to be. I'm finally doing what it is I'm meant to be doing. Those types of thoughts help me to feel peaceful. And so if there comes a time when it seems like peaceful has gone and I'm losing at this game of hide and seek, I can summon peaceful with those thoughts. And when I know that I can do that, interestingly, I don't necessarily have to do that consciously or conscientiously all that frequently because there's that trust, right? And that's what we talked about in that holding of, okay, you're here for me when I need you or more, correctly, maybe more accurately, when I choose you, right? I can choose peaceful anytime I want. And so rather than panicking when another feeling presents itself, I can know that and I can hold space for that other feeling as it takes the forefront of my attention. And when I actually allow myself to give my attention to that other feeling that quite frankly, I was ignoring previously, because I thought my goal right, was to hang on to feeling kind and calm and peaceful. And I didn't make space for any other ones to emerge. And so if we're thinking hold peace, and we're considering that. That gentle embrace that allows it to flow through and come back. Right? And that's really where that strength of unconditional love supports us. is saying, I love you when you're here. I love you when you go. I recognize that you are a part of me. And I trust that you will emerge at the right time. I know, like with any amazing friend or family member, that even if it's been a while, that when I really am looking for you, I can call upon you and you will arrive and emerge. And so we can come from that space, that holding of peace, notice that it actually allows other feelings to emerge. And this is a concept that really has caused me to pause and to think and to reconsider and to turn it, I like to think about being the observer. And we're looking at something from all angles. You pick it up, you hold it up to the lights, you turn it around, you look underneath, you look at it relative to other things, right? And we're examining something as the observer. And as I examine this concept, that by holding peace with this graciousness and spaciousness, it actually allowed in other feelings, even ones that I normally would have banned, right? I was really trying to hold a firm line and I thought they were helpful boundaries, but they weren't boundaries that had a gate, right? And they weren't boundaries that were thoughtful in creating freedom for me. They were restrictive boundaries and they actually kept me from the rest of my feelings. And while I thought it was a safety measure, it was actually restrictive and it was holding me back from My full health, right? My full expression of self. And so, by resetting that and putting a gate right into that fence that I had built around my three core feelings, other feelings could enter, you know, as they pleased. And also, with some permission from me and with some awareness and acknowledgement of thoughts that often were the thing that brought them along. And What I noticed was they didn't necessarily bump out the space for peace or for peace's friends, kind and calm. They just made more room, right? It was just pulling up another chair at the table. It wasn't musical chairs where there was an inadequate number of seats. And when the music stopped, Anger sat down and peace, had to walk away. In this scenario, Anger actually got to pull up a chair, And come to the table. Peace got to stay a little. Peace sometimes got quieter when anger came to sit down. But interestingly, once anger was welcome, and we made that extra place setting, and the space was available, anger wasn't quite so scary. And anger wasn't quite so mean. And anger wasn't as volatile. And anger could speak with passion. And actually, anger echoed a lot of the things that peace had to say in a new way, and in a way that brought creative ideas to the table and actually drove meaningful action that sometimes couldn't come from peace alone. Because while peace maybe had some of those same core concepts and wishes and dreams for meaningful change, it wasn't really in peace's wheelhouse to make them happen. But anger, when at the table with all those other feelings, feeling safe enough to express itself could say, well, what about this? You know, maybe we could do this and affect some meaningful change. And you know, actually, I don't like that we're staying in this situation. And yes, we could change all of our thoughts about it, but really it's not a good fit, right? It's not allowing us to flourish. And so how about we make some changes? And when they can come forth together, It is such a powerful experience. And they actually invite the fullest expression of each other. And many of you might be thinking, because again, if you're a parent of a young child like me, that this has been expressed in Inside Out, and it has in many beautiful ways. But what's come up for me, and I've talked to you before, that I never thought joy was available, right? And while I might have known that anger was there, right? But I really didn't want to invite anger to the table. I really didn't think joy was ever coming to my party. It just wasn't happening. And here's the interesting thing that happened. So peace was present quite frequently and probably often felt stressed out because that was the only person I wanted to have at the table, right? And then anger arrived. And in that space of allowing anger and peace to coexist and actually see their common threads, and work together to both temper and enrich one another, right? So in a way, peace could help anger not to necessarily act in some of the most aggressive ways from the feelings and ideas that emerged. And anger called on peace to say, you know, it's okay to think these things and still have peace available to you, right? It doesn't kick me out of the table to think this. And what happened when that dialogue Was taking place in that act of holding, right? So we're holding peace, and we're actually holding anger too. It's about this embrace that's happening. Joy showed up. And there was always a chair. And joy was always available. But it took that open dialogue, that example for joy to really emerge for me. And what I realized was it required keeping all the chairs open for all the respective feelings to sit in their appropriate seats for those feelings that I always thought were off limits to me to show up. It was demonstrated that it was a safe space. It was a welcoming space. There was an accessible space for all. And then together, there are some amazing conversations that happen and a depth of dialogue that can happen when you only have kind, calm, and peaceful at the table. And if you can think about this, it's great to talk to people who agree with you and share common experience and viewpoints, but it becomes somewhat one dimensional. If you're always agreeing, right, if you're always seeing things from the same angle, it can be somewhat of a dilute conversation. But when you have someone, who comes to the table, who challenges you and who see things differently than you. It can help reinforce how you actually are seeing things. It can change the way that you see things. It could even transition you to an entirely different way of seeing things you might adapt or adopt someone else's viewpoint. You can become more curious. It may stimulate you to ask more questions of that person directly or of someone else on that same concept. And it can allow you, right, to together emerge in a new way and take meaningful action. And I love discussion, right? I love the conversations I have here with myself, with my guests, with you who are listening. I really and truly love and crave action. And that can mean a lot of ways. But especially in this time, when we're looking at the health of all things in a tangible way, that action might look at. Advocating for policy that action certainly right now is looking like voting. The action can be community engagement. That action can be supporting diversity, equity and inclusion efforts. That action can be coaching. Right? That action can be exercising, that action can be parenting. And so when we bring that diverse dialogue into being, we hold that, right We hold space for peace to maybe be a moderator, or at least an initiator of conversation but bring in diversity of dialogue and concept, we truly broaden the experience and we make it much more likely that we're going to move to action because often it is that opposing viewpoint that stimulates us, right? So if we're all in agreement with things, we might just stay and do what we've always done. Or we might just say, well, this is all we've got and you know, this is the way we are and so we're just not gonna do anything because we don't have any new ways to think about this. But when someone challenges us, when someone disagrees with us, that can often be quite motivating. And so by allowing all these feelings to the table, it really has changed the way in which I engage with the world, starting with myself, extending to my family, reflecting in my career, opening up the pathway to the engagement I have in the world in a new way, And I recognize that it's because I'm holding all of these feelings, still beginning with peace. I haven't abandoned those key and core values, but I haven't restricted what I expect to only them. I want to take a turn on this. And if we say hold peace and we think about it like in ordering food, if we say hold peace, we might mean leave it off, right? like hold onions. And... When are we doing that? You know, we think about the act of hold peace. And if we think about that, still in the construct of all the feelings, we might think that if we're going to be angry or impassioned or an activist, maybe we need to hold peace, right? Because maybe that's going to make us too soft or too vulnerable or not outraged enough to do the necessary thing and how many times have we held peace because we were in that space of anger or resentment or hurt right when does it seem like peace either wasn't accessible to us or we actually just blocked it off and we said nope not right now peace right i'm too busy being angry and sad and frustrated and resentful and regretful there's no room for peaceful here So I'm holding peace, not embracing it. I'm putting up that boundary. And what does that look like? And what does it feel like to keep peace out of the equation? So just like it was restrictive when we tried to hold on to peace really restrictively, when we hold peace out, when we hold it at arm's length, right? when we put that boundary up and put peace on the other side of the gate, what does it look like then? And I wonder if that isn't what's happening in a lot of situations in the world right now. And if we think peace is unavailable to us, or if we refuse to welcome peace to the table, because we're just so mad about everything that's going on, and it seems impossible that peace could exist in a world where so many people are fighting and arguing and disrespecting one another, it can almost seem like there's no room for peace here. Or what would peace even do here? or we're not ready for peace yet. But what if, just like peace and anger could sit at that table together and it was anger that we were welcoming, what would happen if we welcomed peace and instead of holding peace, right, like keeping it off the pizza, what if we remembered that hold peace was an invitation to an embrace? And what would it look like to bring peace in, even into the most egregious situations? What would it look like to hold peace and embrace peace into even the most tragic and unjust and unfair and unbelievable situations in our lives? And how would it feel to allow peace to coexist with anger in frustration and regret, even rage. Not because we have to cool the flame, because right? we have noted that meaningful action can come when we allow those other feelings in. But what if it helped direct that burn? And while I hesitate to use any type of fire examples given the massive trauma that has existed. I think it actually is quite important to think about what it means when we can direct that energy in a meaningful way. And that peace can help be part of that direction. And that beckoning or that beacon of peace reminding us, if this is where we wish to go, if this is the feeling we seek to have most fully in our bodies, And we are not there yet, and we are actually perhaps far away on the spectrum, but not removed from it, right? Because it's continuous. It's within that same sphere of energy. But if that's where we are headed, we can hold vision for that. We can even hold the remembrance of the feeling of that and allow that to help us chart the course within and through some of those other emotions. And so if it is anger and we say, well, anger... Can be our through way back to, or to for the first time, if it seems that way for you, peaceful? And how would that look? How would that help me to navigate that feeling of anger, which can be bristly and fast and oppressive and heavy, right? That's the fullness that weighs on you. And that's when we're resentful, right? That just bogs you right down versus the peaceful that lifts you up. And so peaceful can help you come up for air periodically as you're swimming through some of those more challenging and oppressive emotions. It can remind you and motivate you to keep taking that meaningful action. When instead you might want to just tantrum it out, right? That can be an action we take out of anger or resentment or frustration or even sadness. Or you might just fully dive into all those feelings and just expend that energy in totally non-helpful ways. And not that we always have to be super productive out of any emotion, but if we are looking to be reformative and purposeful in this time, especially right now, holding space, holding peace in a way that coexists with those other feelings can be a way forward. And it can remind us that peaceful can exist And actually, we could layer on those other colors of the emotions. And it's a beautiful visual. If we think about peaceful again, as that sky. And if you think about making a painting, painting a painting, and you have that blank canvas, and say you painted the sky, right, the whole way, filled up the whole thing with your sky blue with some wispy clouds. That's the entire backdrop. And then on there, you can add the other colors and textures and shapes and the sky is still there, right? It's still that background. And you can paint on there that erupting volcano with all the reds and oranges and the smoke and the ash. You can paint on there those green trees, right, of contentment. You can paint on there the water that's reflecting the sky. Right? And that might be your kind and calm at play. You can paint some of those rocky shorelines, and that might be confusion or uncertainty. Or you can paint all of those colors onto that canvas. Peaceful is always there. And in some spaces, you're not going to see it as easily, but you're going to have glimpses. And it's going to show you the power of the whole and the capacity to embrace all those parts. And the ability you have to step forward in the way that you choose because you are the painter, Right, You control the colors you allow onto the palette. You take those brush strokes and put the texture onto those shapes and images. You can control the layering. And you can influence the beauty of that painting. And it's beautiful because of all those colors. And while a monochromatic or maybe duochromatic, if we allow for a little bit of blue and white, Painting of just the sky can totally be beautiful. It becomes infinitely more interesting when we layer those other colors on it. And it gives us space for contemplation. It allows us to tell a story of what's happening. It allows us to see the relationships of all those different structures and textures and colors. And it encourages us to see our whole self reflected in that image, in that artwork. And so if we're thinking right now of hold peace, perhaps examine in your life, am I holding it gently? Am I holding it so firmly right, that it almost can't stay? Am I practicing hold peace as a restriction and a barrier, I'm trying to actually keep it out of my life because I don't think it has a place and a space? And how might it look to hold peace and in so doing, actually hold space for my entire way of being, for my whole self to emerge, to invite a dialogue to ensue so that I can step forward in the most fully meaningful expression of myself, in thoughts, in feelings, and in actions so that I can generate the results I wish to see in my own life, I wish to offer to the world. I wish to reflect for others. And what do I need to do to move in that direction? And so I invite you from my own heart to consider how you might have currently a narrow window of the feelings that you welcome openly to the table. And consider that it's possible to add another leaf to the table, to find some more chairs, and that no one needs step away in order to make space for the other feelings to have a seat and to offer their perspective and to share their experience and to notice how we are enriched and encouraged by that diverse participation of our whole selves, just as we are in external conversations when we welcome Difference to the table to allow for possibility to emerge. So, I thank you for joining me. I thank you for your time. And I invite you to continue this conversation outside of the podcast or with me. You can always reach me at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com and share your ideas, share your concerns, share the ways in which you see yourself being for the health of all things and we'll continue on this journey together. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.